Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We are starting a week emphasis of prayer and fasting, and, and I'm going to be sharing the word with you today. If you have your Bibles today, I encourage you to, to pull them out, or, but we're going to be looking at John 15, John 15 as we talk about prayer. And you know, and we're, I wanted to start here because as we talk about the new year, the new year has been synonymous with new year, new you, right? And uh, I like the old you, but there's a part of moving forward where we want to plan, we, we want to do the things, in the, because God talks a lot about, you know, considering the ant and moving forward and planning and having these goals to run the race well. And so a lot of us will, uh, we look forward to getting the new planner. How many of you are like, man, nothing excites me like getting a brand new planner out there? Anybody? We're my planner people. Anybody? You told me you like planners. I know you're out there. And uh, I love getting mine, and I had a fearful moment. I, th- I have this digital planner that I can write in on my tablet, and I thought they were, they were uh, not going to do it this year, but thank God they did it, and so my, my life was restored and new, new, new strength came in. But all of these things, planning, preparing, setting goals, assessing, these are all things that we do to be healthy. And as it relates to your health, your health is very important to the Lord. I mean, your mental health, your spiritual health, uh, your relational health, all these things. Because these levels of health, these foundations that we have, they provide a good foundation so that we can weather the storms ahead of us. Every year there are storms. Every year there are challenges. And when we're healthy, when we're walking through these things in all these areas, these things will enable us to be strengthened by them. Instead of being crushed by them. How many of you love that? You go through a storm, you feel strengthened versus being crushed. Our health is in direct proportion to how we do this. And so in Matthew 15, Jesus, he's preparing his disciples for one of the biggest storms that they will face to this point. It's a storm that will cause many of them to deny Christ, to run away from Christ, to doubt Christ, to be fearful. And what I'm talking about is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so to do this, Jesus, he gives them this powerful teaching that reveals the secret to, so that they, 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 can, they can live out this life to the full that he talked about in John 10, 10. And in the middle of it, he puts the secret, and the secret to it all is prayer, the prayer. So we see this in John 15. John 15, starting at verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned or blown from the trees in the Seattle winds. That was my addition right there. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. It's a big statement, isn't it? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. 
powerful section. And in the middle of it, it has this verse, one of, the, one of our favorite verses about prayer. But it's a verse that brings about, I, I think, a lot of confusion when I talk to a lot of people, whether they're strong, they're, they're, they're strong in Team Jesus or whether they have a lot of doubts and a lot of pushback from it. It's this verse here. And the confusion is in John 15, verse 7, when Jesus said this, Ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Doesn't that sound awesome? I mean, it sounds like the ultimate Alexa, right? It sounds like Jesus is just this Alexa or the Siri, whatever non-human thing you talk to and say, you know, Alexa, uh, you know, play uh, John Coltrane or Alexa, play John, uh, play Bill Charlotte trio or Alexa, uh, play Bill Evans trio. That's, that's my prayer music in the morning. And we love it as long as it works. But when you ask for something from Siri or from Alexa and it gives you what you want, you're like, man, this is the greatest thing greatest thing I've ever seen. But when you ask for something and it gives you something different, or have you ever heard it say this, hmm, I don't understand what you're asking for. Right? You're like, it's broke, it's work. You want to get rid of it, you want to turn it off, and then you hear these rumors that maybe it's listening to you when it's not supposed to be listening to you, and you're just, all these confusing things come in, and it seems too personal, and you want to just get rid of it. This is often the misconception that we have about God. As long as God's doing what we ask or, or we're asking for things and it's responding, then it's okay. But the minute God doesn't respond to us or ignores us or he's listening in on things that he shouldn't be listening in on, we want to get rid of us. I mean, and it, and it brings us misconception of, you know, didn't God say he would give us everything that we asked for? So why the confusion about it? Why is confusion? Well, I think like everything else, we tend to focus on what we like. We focus in on the words that we like and we back away from the things we don't like, right? It's like a radio station, or it's like Spotify, or whatever you use. We tune into what we want, and we tune out what we don't want. And as it relates to prayer and to God, many tend to focus on this one section, and they ignore everything around it. And as a result, people use this verse to justify either ignoring God or not believing in God at all. I mean, because after all, didn't God say that he would do this? So if God were real, then he would do this. I'm asking for something good. I'm asking for something. Wouldn't God want to bless me in this way? Wouldn't God want to heal me in this way? But the, the crazy thing about that sentence, if God was real, then he would do this. I mean, change the word God to anyone else, and it immediately doesn't make sense. I mean, we would never say, well, if mom were real, she would do what I said, Right? Or, if my wife was, really loved me, or if my husband really loved me, then they would do whatever I say. Well, we have a word for that. That's called dysfunctional, right? <laughs> Thank God my mom didn't give me everything I asked for, okay? I, I, I wouldn't have made it this far in life. It's dysfunctional. And if, if, if the love for somebody else is dependent on, like, like Stephanie doing everything that I've said or everything that I've asked, I can say some crazy things. That part of being married is, is uh, she's kept me safe. <laughs> she's kept me from doing those things. That's what marriage is and vice versa. But the sentence, it does lay out a lot of truth. Whatever is on our heart, we're commanded in Scripture to bring it to the Lord, to talk to God about it. I mean, even in, in the Sermon on the Mount, we read this as our call to worship in Matthew 7, where, where Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, he's saying all these ways to, to pursue the Lord. And there's a promise that for everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. And even in Philippians 4, we quoted this a lot during COVID, when Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything by prayer and in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is the promise. How many of you are like, Lord, I want to receive that today? So many of us, we deal with that anxiousness. And this is a promise to bring everything to the Lord. So why is it that sometimes we ask and we don't receive, or sometimes it seems like, I'm knocking. Where's where's that open door? See, I believe that we're often misled because we forget or we ignore one of these big truths in life. See, one of the big truths in life is that requests are connected to relationships. Even in Philippians 4, when you look at Philippians 4 and it talks about to live everything to the Lord, to not let there be any anxiety, all those things, before that it says, the Lord is near. That is all prefaced with our proximity to God. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything for anybody unless we know them, right? If someone asks for something or someone's hungry and asks for food, right, please don't say to them, you know, if I, got, if, if I knew you better, you know, if I, then, then I would feed you, right? Or someone's stuck on the side of the road. Don't be like, you know, hey, you know, uh, if, if, I, I don't know you, so I can't help. No, we reach out to strangers. We love people. We give things to people all the time. And, and in Colossians 1, it even says that before we knew God, we were strangers to God. So I'm not saying don't do that, but these are acts of rescue. And rescue is necessary, but God wants to move us from rescue to relationship, Right? All of your relationships, we're not meant to live in that crisis rescue mode all the time. If Stephanie was having to rescue me the whole time, she'd be coming to some of you and say, Dwayne needs help. He's always in rescue mode because that's not healthy, is it? Right? Check me in a hospital. Check me in somewhere. You know, bring on the poutine, whatever it takes. But we've we got to get beyond this rescue mode and get to the relationship mode. See, rescue, it removes us from the threat, and that's very important, but it's the relationship that moves us forward to the health and the development and the life to the full. See, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the ongoing, these long-term requests, the deeper ask, the relationship that accompanies the areas of our lives. See, it's in the ongoing living of our lives that the yes to the request is connected to the yes to the relationship. Again, God will rescue you. He rescues me. But we need to grow and develop in this. And this yes connected to the relationship, this is true in every relationship in our life, right? We ask for things of people and organizations that we have a relationship with. I mean, just look at finances, right? Hopefully, you would never go into a bank and go, give me some money. That's called stealing. If you have no relationship with that bank, they're going to call the cops, they're going to bring in security, they're going to question a lot of things about you. Because when I wanted to get a loan from the bank, or when I wanted to set up investments, or whatever it is, I went to the bank, and I had to set up a financial relationship, a business relationship. And they asked a lot of things that were pretty personal, right? They asked about my job, how much do you make, what's your work history, they, they pulled a credit report on me, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was pretty personal. But in order to have what I wanted from them, I had to set up this relationship. I did the same thing educationally. When I wanted to go to school, when I wanted to receive an education, they asked about my grades. Some even talked to my former teachers, and I still made it in. They asked to see, and then they asked, how are you going to pay for your education? Like I wouldn't pay for it. But all was necessary because I had to set up a relationship. Uh, romantic relationships, you know, when my eyes were dazzled with Stephanie. 
She asked about my parents. She asked about what I believe about God. She even asked about the foods that I like and don't like, and she found out that I like everything. I'm like a human dump truck, okay? It's, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> if it's there, I'm, I'm in. The music, all those things, because we were setting up a relationship for that that ended up in marriage. We don't just ask without that. See, all of these things, all these relationships haven't asked them, whether it's money, education, friendship, marriage, none of these requests are granted, and they shouldn't be granted without a relationship. If you, I, I mean, I told my kids when they started, started getting old enough to get these offers, if you get a credit card offer where we're going to give you all this money for nothing, what should we say? No. <laughs> right? No. Somebody offers you all of this for no relationship, a red flag needs to go up. It brings about suspicion when there's no relationship, it's very suspicious. And we ask, are they credible? Are they trustworthy? Why would they do this without wanting to know me or relationship? See, these are all important questions, considerations. And that's why if your interaction with God is only when you need a rescue, you will find yourself frustrated and you will find yourself immature spiritually. See, all these relationships and more are required because they provide this good foundation. See, all of God's yeses to us are for the ultimate purpose of what Jesus is laying at her. All of our requests, when we bring our requests to God, when we come in, what Jesus is pointing to is that everything in life is put towards producing fruit. Because fruit is a sign of health. And so what that means is that as I'm coming to the Lord now, he's rescued me, he's put me out, and saying, okay, Dwayne, it's time to grow up, it's time to mature. Everything that I bring to the Lord now is for the purpose of producing fruit in my life. And so what that means is that if God doesn't give it to me, I don't need it. And that's why we even see with so many of the great men and women of faith that we see them going through great difficulty for the purpose of producing fruit. And see, we know this to be true in all these relationships. So as it relates to God, that's why Jesus is laying out. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, this is the one that bears much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. See, Jesus, he's, he's, he's pointing to this illustration because in that day, it was very common for people just to glean, right? And even like you know, when it was wheat, they would leave the edges unharvested. So as people were walking by, the poor and the needy, they could pick what they needed. We have all these examples of Jesus picking from the fig tree and, and all these things. So, so picking it and seeing it, it was a common illustration. And what Jesus is doing, he's pulling from the obvious, and he's pulling this obvious truth that life is found in the connection. Fruit grows because it's connected to the vine. So what that means, if there's no connection, there's no fruit and then Jesus brings in this other illustration that he kept bringing in, that as it relates to our life spiritually, that when there's no prayer, there's no fruit. There's no fruitfulness. There's no productivity because all of this is in direct correlation to our prayer life. To our prayer life. And the Bible is clear. James even echoes the teaching of Jesus that we need to ask. I love this in James 4, when, when, when James is talking about you do not have because you do not ask. You don't have it because you're not asking. And he said, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And then James throws out this huge 
huge sentence where he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the, word, with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, James, he's calling out the purpose of prayer, and the purpose of prayer is relationship with God. It's relationship. It's that conversation. Prayer is not meant to be complicated. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's one of the reasons why I love our prayer services, where we get in a circle, and I get to hear different people praying different ways. Some are very quiet. Some are very loud. There's different accents in there. There's all these things. And I love it because it's the body of Christ. It's different conversations in different ways. But this whole relational side, this is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, even now, I call you friends. I call you friends. See, everything that we do as a follower is connected to our relationship to God. And James is pointing to the fact that our prayers reveal how we feel about God. And he goes even as far as to say that if we're asking with the wrong motive, we've been rescued, but now we're asking for things with the wrong motives where it's all about the wrong desires. And I just want to use it on my own passions and just the things that I want, the things that are just me, me, me. He says it's like committing adultery. What he's saying, he's like, it's like you're cheating on God. That's a pretty huge word, isn't it? Adultery? James, we're praying here. How could it be adultery? See, it's a huge word and a big accusation, but it's so true. See, we, we complain that God isn't listening to us, that he seems afar off, yet, essentially, we find ourselves cheating with God. We're looking at things that we shouldn't. We're giving attention to things that we shouldn't. We're putting more weight in other opinions except from God. And we're living for all these other things except God, and we're just running to him when when we want something from him. James is saying that when we act like this and behave like this, it's like we want, he likens it to marriage because he's saying we want the benefits of marriage, but we're seeing somebody else on the side. That's called adultery. We want all the benefits, but we're seeing all these other things on the side. Now, don't get me wrong. There are dark nights of the soul. There are dark nights of the soul, as C.S. Lewis so famously talks about, where there's times of, God, where are you? And if you want to look at some very honest prayers, read through the Psalms, all of them. Not just Psalm 23, but you go in, and David even gets in fast. He's like, smash my enemies, and he uses some pretty harsh language in there. Some pretty honest things. There are dark nights of the soul, and all of these have been experienced by great men and women of God. But all these great men and women of God, they've continued to seek God. They've continued to find God. Because, see, for the believer, when we experience these things, these are times when God calls us deeper. These are times when God, he stretches us, and he strengthens our spiritual muscles, and he focuses our thoughts, and he sharpens our eyesight, and he uses these deep, dark times to tune our hearts in a great way in order to have greater effectiveness for him. This is what hard times will do. This is why... People sign up in January and the gyms are crowded and all those who go there all the time, they're like, February, lots of treadmills. No problem. Why? Because there's a cost and there's a pain. Have you ever experienced pain in working out? Have you ever experienced pain in relationship? Have you ever experienced pain in all these areas of your life? Those who work through it, those who endure, those who walk through all these things, They find that strength. They find that breakthrough. 
I was telling somebody before that, I remember back, back in college, I was working on this big Chopin piano piece, love Chopin. And for four, there were these four measures that literally I worked two hours a day on for half a year to play four measures. Maybe that's how bad I was, I don't know. But when I learned it, it was like this big breakthrough that just kept coming through. There are things that we're going to hit that we just need to keep working at it and working at it. And you know, week one, no change. Week two, no change. Week three, no change. Week, week four, I don't think I'm going to graduate. <laughs> but we work at it. We go in. See, these are times when we're tested, when we're refined. And it's like, how deep do you want to go? How much do you want to grow? Do you want patience? How much patience do you want? Do you want strengthening? How strong do you want to get? See, this was the experience of Abraham. The Bible tells us that Abraham went to a land that he did not know, left everything. This was the experience of Moses confronting the Pharaoh to free his people. This was the experience of the three Hebrew boys, young men, who sought the Lord, who prayed the Lord, and they found themselves being thrown into a fiery furnace. We have prayers that echo that, though they slay me, yet I will praise you. Nothing is going to pull me back from God. That no matter what, I will trust the Lord. I will trust my God in all of these things. This was the prayer of Daniel, thrown into the lion den for praying. This was Joseph, unfairly imprisoned for trusting God. King David, Elijah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the disciples, the apostle Paul, all of these men and women found themselves at these great crises to where it would be very easy to go, God, if you love me, if you cared for me, then you would do this. But they trusted God anyway. They trusted God anyway. And we call them heroes of faith. They're people that we look to as people who follow God. They trust God. They endure these difficulties. And all of it was connected to their walk with God. This life of prayer. God, I don't understand, but yet I will praise you. I want to be healed. But I'm going to praise you. No matter what. This is what we're talking about when we talk about prayer. See, prayer is not about getting what I want. Prayer is about getting what God wants. God knows what I need. I've asked for things that I should never get. Good things to me. But I've come to find out that if I'm asking God and I'm not getting it, I don't need it. See, prayer is so powerful because prayer connects us to God. It strengthens our relationship, but it also strengthens something that we need as we head into this year. And it's with a capital T. It's the trust word. See, strong relationships have strong trust. Trust is what my marriage is built on. That if somebody tells me something about Stephanie... I have enough trust that I'm going to go to her. Right? Strong relationships are built on strong trust. We deal with things. But that's why Jesus, he illustrates, he says, look, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done. See, when I open my life to the Lordship, the song that we sang earlier about you can have it all, when I'm walking in that way, 
my desires have changed. That's the kind of trust that when you hear the Lord, you're knowing his voice, and you're willing to walk a different walk. You're willing to do things that people will say, that's going to destroy your career, or if you do that, that's going to destroy this or destroy this, but you're going, I heard, I've heard from God. I trust God. I trust my ability to hear his voice. I'm abiding in him. This is the transformed life. See, prayer, it changes us because it connects us to God. And this big area of trust is one of the biggest temptations that we have. It was, it's what began that original sin, right? What did Satan say? Did God really say? Have you ever struggled to, God, is that you? I hear you speaking, but that seems very, very strange, very, very weird. I've had times like that. I was on, some of you don't know my story, I was on staff back here at the early 2000s when I did, did worship and we had choir and orchestra and I had hair and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I was loving it. Love Seattle. I prayed that back in, 1980, back in the summer of 1990, come, coming through here with a traveling worship group that God would bring me here one day and he did it and I was here. And then God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I'm calling you to, lo- to leave and to go. Man. The hockey tears flowed. I knew it was God. And I talked to Stephanie. She had hockey tears. That journey of going, very difficult. But I will tell you that it's a journey that brought me back. And that prepared me. And that strengthened me. Am I perfect? No. Did I mess things up? Absolutely. (laughs) But there are things that the Lord will call you to do that will not make sense. But in prayer, we learn his voice. We trust his voice. See, a, a lot of times prayer has been described as the war room, and, and it is, because when you're in prayer, there's a lot of battle going on. But one of the ways that I think about prayer often is where prayer is the rehearsal room that allows me to perform at ease. Right? Like piano, is, and I love piano. I love piano. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money studying it. But it made me think about when I was doing this, like when you're studying piano in university, you have to do these recitals where you're playing in front of people and your professors judge you. Not once did I play and make a mistake and a professor say, you messed up there, but that was the piano's fault, not yours, Dwayne. Every time that I had something to strengthen, my professor directed me back to the rehearsal room. It's in the rehearsal room. See, it's in the rehearsal room where things are strengthened. It's in the rehearsal room when I'm going through, when I'm working things out, when I'm slowing things down, when I'm tearing it apart and going, why did I mess this up? Why did I forget this part? Why did my fingering get off? Or why did this not happen the way that it's happened before? That's all in the rehearsal room. Because, see, we know this to be true, that what we do when no one is looking affects what we do when everyone is looking. It is the unseen parts of our life that's even been used to define what true character is. True character is not what's happening right now, right? I can get up here and, and say things and write things out and put it out there, and, and that's, that, that, that's great. But the true character in my life is happening when no one looks, no one is seeing, and it's just me and it's the Lord. It's that rehearsal room, it's that war room, it's that time when I'm, I'm alone with God. And it's a time that bears fruit. Because when I stand in these moments, my prayer is, God, let me, 
speak your word. Let me speak your truth. Let me speak what you would say under your anointing, under your power, under your conviction, or all of this is just a waste of time. We need God's word. We need his power. We need his authority. And I'm going to tell you that that development is hard work. It's why most people avoid it. It's why most people say it's not worth it. They give up on it. See, there's times that prayer is a quiet stream that the Lord refreshes you. And I've sat there, just me, my coffee, and my dog. And the Lord's poured into my heart, and he's strengthened me. But there's times I've sat there, and I've said, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. What's happening here? And just to be vulnerable. Because then it's moved to the point of, you know, God, am I the wrong person? You know, am I, am I missing something here? Am I just thinking we're all good? And, you know, <laughs> are you just leading me on? These are the prayer times. That's why words like rehearsal room or war room are great. But I love what Jesus talks about here. Jesus is describing that prayer time as a pruning room. As a pruning room. Right? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. See, what Jesus is saying is that there are things in our life, this process of prayer, where some things he's cutting off. They're not producing fruit. They're not going to produce fruit. It's got to cut, and that's got to be taken away and burned and destroyed because I don't want you trying to graft that in or try to put it over there anymore. He's saying there are things in your life that it's just going to be cut away and it's going to be gone. But then he also says that there are some things that are producing fruit, but I'm going to prune it. I'm going to cut a little bit here, cut a little bit there, because they need refining. You're producing fruit now, but boy, there's so much more that I have for you in that prayer time. But here's the thing. Whether the Lord is cutting you to remove it or he's cutting you to prune you, he's still cutting you. And it hurts. And it hurts. And this is the battle. The battle is to stay in the game. And to say, Lord, you are the great physician. See, some of the pruning happens when you've been hurt. Have you ever gone to the doctor with a really bad cut? And they've had to go in, they've had to scrub things out. My mom used to do that, oh my goodness. You know, I was one of those kids, you know, I grew up in an era before knee pads and helmets, so I came home with rocks in my head all the time. And she would scrub it. And it hurt, but it had to come out. There were times I got hurt so bad, I had to go to the doctor, and the doctor pulled the scalpel out. Not hockey tears, hockey screams. And just, it was a cutting. Why? It had to be removed. Things had to be removed for the purpose of healing. This is the pruning process. And so many times we mistake God's action of pruning, of cutting away, and burning things as God ignores saying, God, where are you? And he's saying, I'm right here. I'm pruning you. I'm cutting things away. I'm preparing you. But for us, sometimes it's hard for us to see that. And I, th I think that's why Jesus, on the night he was, he was betrayed, and when, when you came in, I hope all of you got 
a, one of these little, com, little communion things. And if you did, and if you would just raise your hand, we have friends that can bring one to you if you didn't get one. I'd, I'd love for everyone to have one of these. Because we need the voice of the Lord, we need the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us distinguish and to, to, and, and to discern it. And I'd like for you just to kind of hold, hold on to this because we're going to do it just a little bit different today. See, when Jesus did this, he did this on the night that he was betrayed. He did this on the night when he knew people that said they would stand with him forever would run, run away and deny him and hide. That night, his disciples were being pruned and there were some things in their life that were being cut away. And here's the question I believe the Lord would have you ask yourself today. What branches is God cutting away in your life, but you're holding on? Is there something that the Lord's trying to cut away that it's not bearing fruit? And you've been like, Lord, I know I can make this thing produce. I can make this thing produce. I, I know it can happen. And you're receiving cuts and you're thinking the Lord is cruel when he's actually kind. He's saying no. Stop pouring energy there. Stop putting things there. What branches is God cutting away, not bearing fruit? But also, what branches is God pruning? Because there's sometimes when the Lord comes in and cut, and you're like, I knew I couldn't do that. Any other self-identifying insecure people out there? <laughs> Every cut, I knew I couldn't do it. Okay. There's times the Lord is pruning you, and we walk away like it's, he's cutting things off, and he's saying, no, 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 I'm just I'm pruning you. I'm helping to strengthen you. I'm coaching you. I'm encouraging you. I'm training you. I'm doing all these things for you. I'm not cutting it off. Where is the Lord pruning you? Things where they're producing fruit, but God's saying, you, you just wait. I'm going to prune off this. I'm going to pull this away. I'm going to do all the things that a gardener does. Because there's more that God wants to see in this area, but both are important. Connected to the vine, and now you're part of that vine. He's cutting something off, and he's pruning other things. And we need to make sure that we're not getting confused. And I believe this, this is part of what Jesus was doing that night. When Jesus, he took the bread... And he said, guys, here's something I want you to do is every time you eat, and you eat a lot, I want you to remember me. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. And what I want to invite you here, here in, in a moment, the, the team they're going to lead in the song, is I'd like for you to just take this as a holy moment. And you don't have to do this right now, but in that moment, I'd like for you just to kind of hold that breath and say, God, what are the parts that you're cutting away? And what are the things that you're pruning? And where do I need help in this?
Because see, we know from gardeners that when this process happens, what, what do gardeners do? They come in, they make sure there's lots of water, they make sure there's lots of fertilizer, they make sure there's lots of help. There's sometimes that they even put supports up for areas that they've pruned. We had one of our trees, like a small one, just kind of fall over one year. Had to prune it, had to cut some things away, didn't think it was going to live, propped it up, put, it, put, put a stick on it, and it's doing great. What do you need? I want you to take that and say, God, help me identify it. Where am I confused? And maybe you want to turn, if, if you came with somebody today that you trust, or you want to go sit next to somebody and say, can you pray for me? Can you help me in this? Or maybe you're just like, I just need to be me, me and God right now. But take it. And then as you identify whatever that, that part is, just break it. Say, God, prune me, Lord. Cut it away. I want this year to be a year of fruitfulness, of strength, of wholeness, and just break it. This is the process God will always have us in. He has me in it. And as I'm breaking it, these, these are tears of healing for me because I'm like, God, you're speaking. And then after you do that, take the cup. This cup represents his blood, the new covenant, the new relationship. It represents the healing. By his stripes, by his blood, we are healed. You're going to need healing in those areas. You're going to need help in those areas. When you cut a branch from a tree, new tissue comes in, and it forms, and it seals it so that disease can't get in there. And as you drink this, say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Let all that be gone. Confess it to the Lord and heal me in these areas. Amen? Your invitation is to do that today. What's he cutting? What's he pruning? And then break it. That's Jesus broken for you. And then the healing, the forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would respond to your word today. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for sending your son, for rescuing us. And Lord, not just rescuing us and setting us on a rock so we can just keep falling off to ourselves again, but Lord, that we can be children of the Most High God, readopted into your family. So Lord, help us, Lord, to firmly plant our feet on you, that we wouldn't be so easily swayed, so easily pushed, so easily confused. And God, that in all that we recognize that we need to talk to you, we need to be men and women of prayer every day, every moment, every hour. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. Let me encourage you not just to walk away from the moment. Pruning and cutting are huge things. As the Lord's been speaking to you, write those things down. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.